Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So we know who the semi-finalists are at the French Open after another day of action. Catherine Whitaker is here. How are you doing, Catherine? Very well, thank you, David. How are you? Uh, I'm very well. In fact, we know who the finalists are in the women's draw. Let's start there, shall we? Because we had two of those semi-finals today, and uh, the first one of them, Simona Halep against Garbina Muguruza. We were billing it as this blockbuster clash last night, Catherine. I mean, I think there was there was probably about a, a half an hour spell in the second set, which really lived up to that billing, and it was dramatic and tense. Great shot making incredible feats of physical effort being expended but 6-1 first set I I wasn't expecting that were you? No and nor was anyone I mean I I sought the predictions of of many uh, an expert in the lead up to that and it was all absolutely on a knife edge from Joe Jury and Annabelle Croft uh, in our studio to Chris Evert and Kim Kleisters uh, on site here in Paris I mean it was completely 50-50 and the only thing people were agreed on was on the fact that it would almost certainly be a, a three-set match. Um, not only the, a place in the final on the line, but also the world number one ranking. We know how much that in particular means to Simona Halep. She's talked about the, the validation she feels that that gives her. Um, and uh, yeah, I almost feared for Simona Halep because of how one-sided that first set was. Because this tournament, she seemed to she seems to have played her best when she's she's lost the first set. You know, Alison Risk in the first round, in particular, of course, the quarterfinal against Angelique Kerber that really galvanised her and, and sort of enabled her to show her mental fortitude. So I kind of worried for her in the reverse situation of having to cope with this, you know, unexpectedly big lead and advantage. But goodness me, did she hold her head? She was a breakdown uh, early on in that second set. And then again, there was this monumental game at four all. Uh, and it felt entirely pivotal. I don't know exactly how many break points Garbina Muguruza had, but I think that game in itself went on for 13 or 14 minutes. Um, and there were several Muguruza break points, several Halep game points. And in the end, Halep held. And the moment she held, you just felt the break coming. You know, that what, what Muguruza gave away in her body language at that point was... Oh, I don't know how to break through this wall. You know, that was my chance and I've let it go. And, and as it 
Whether that was a self-fulfilling prophecy or not, we'll never know. But she had let it go. And Halep was brilliant. And I'm so full, David, of, of admiration for her to keep bouncing back from what must be immense scar tissue for her. And, and she's not a, she's not a robot, is she? We know she feels it. We we see it in her her on-court coaching exchanges with Darren Cahill. She tells us all about the, the self-doubt that she has. She's not one of these impervious, robotic, brilliant tennis players that you can't quite relate to because they're so brilliant and seemingly impervious. She's not that. She's entirely human and yet also brilliant. Um, And I'm so, so full of admiration for her for being in the final here again. And I think a lot of people have been commenting on the fact that she would be such a popular champion and and that's not just with people like us who i mean i think from a sheer human perspective you just you see somebody trying trying and trying again and and not having got over the line and the upset it's caused her and the doubt and 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 you know it's probably some seriously sleepless nights over the last 12 months at times that that's one thing, but she's obviously just hugely popular in the locker room. I, I think she is one of those players that all the other players would be will be messaging about if she manages to get over the line. I mean, and that's not to say that people are anti Sloane Stevens. I, I don't think that they are, but I just feel that Halep has has not had that seemingly quite straightforward road to to Grand Slam glory that Sloane Stevens has had. Okay, she's had a few a few bumps in the road over the past few years, but she's made it often look quite easy. We, we've we've seen the raw suffering of, of Simona Halep laid bare, really, in front of, of everybody on that centre court last year. Um, and, you know, I think that the personality she has is fascinating. Simon Briggs, uh, of our partners at The Telegraph, did a, an interview with her on the eve of the French Open. And, and just listen to this. This is his, his intro into that story. And it, I think it gives just a little idea as to how straightforward a character Simona Halep is. Uh, and it goes, As Simona Halep enters the interview room at Roland Garros, she asks the media manager politely for a bottle of water. Room temperature, please. Aha, I say triumphantly. You must agree with Novak Djokovic's theory that iced water draws blood to the stomach and away from the muscles. She looks at me blankly. No, I'm not into all that. I've just got a sore throat. (laughs) And I think that is what she's like. I don't think she she buys into any... um, newfangled ideas of of uh of nutrition and particularly or, or or anything like that i mean she, she apparently she has done a little bit of work with a, a sports psychologist to try to understand why she gets on her own case so much and and she obviously does do that but really she is she's a, a sort of meat and potatoes type of tennis player and athlete and almost a throwback in a way and yeah. she's just going to keep going out there and putting it in yeah i mean i don't look, i don't think she's you know shoveling down the the cake and and pasta or non-gluten-free <laughs> pasta put it that way i think to fry up yeah exactly I, I think she is incredibly professional about the way she goes about things but i i get what you mean i mean she like most of the top players at some point over the french open fortnight she she paid a visit to the the eurosport studio to appear on game shut and mats and 
she was she showed up with less of an entourage than anyone and she's a world number one you know you're talking about someone and uh i find this extraordinary and, and horrifying but at the australian open this year she was playing without a kit sponsor and uh you know i was more horrified about that than she was she wasn't remotely horrified you know she just told the story about how Adidas had dropped her and told her that they wanted to invest more in Garbini Muguruza. And uh, off she went to a seamstress, got a, got herself a dress made to her taste and got on with the job at hand. And, you know, that's amazing. She does, she sends a message, you know, kind of without words, just with the way she goes about doing her thing. And uh, she is so charming. She's not, you know, red carpet, glitzy friendly, but... She has a wonderful story behind her. This is somebody that that taught herself to speak English by reading Harry Potter books. You know, what's not to love about that story, David? And I'm not even a Harry Potter fan. She is charming and likeable and relatable. And I don't know of anybody who wouldn't feel a bit of warmth inside to see her lift the trophy on Saturday. It's not to, to say that... You know, there aren't lots of Sloane Stevens fans out there that want her to, to win on Saturday. But even those, I think, would feel, feel warm inside to see Halep lift the trophy. Yeah, it'd be hard to, to begrudge her if she does manage to do it, after all. Actually, uh, uh, another line in uh, in Simon's piece is that she's reminiscent of Andy Murray. If you If you go back six years to before Andy had won his first Grand Slam title and he was just so desperate and he came so close so many times and, you know, just down to earth and, and you know, you're sort of hoping hoping for the best on it. Um, and and Murray got over the line. The question is, will Simona Halep get over the line? Is she, is she an Andy Murray who eventually wins three slams or is she a Dinara Safina or a Yelena Jankovic who got to world number one and never managed to get there. Caroline Wozniacki, of course, did it this year. Maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year that both of them uh, managed to get that first slam title. What, what do you think? I think she will. I, I cannot envisage a scenario where Simona Halep ends her career without a Grand Slam title. Whether it comes on Saturday, David, I don't know. <laughs> I find it very, very difficult to imagine Sloane Stevens being beaten. I know that sounds a little bit ridiculous, but what's going to beat Sloane Stevens? I, I can't. What, what's what is the style of play that beats Sloane Stevens in this form? I can't. Camilla Giorgi almost did it. Round of sixteen, she had a crucially, couple of chances. But didn't. To and for Stevens it. has got better since then. That eight-six third set victory has hardened her. Um, and got her into a groove, and she's she's been better even since then. I I don't know. I don't know. I look. I it it might not come on Saturday. Honestly, my the the very romantic part of me wants the Halep story to to reach its peak on Saturday. I, I'm a big fan of Sloane Stevens. I love watching her play tennis, but the the the, the emotional pull of the Halep story is so great. Um, that that uh, I would you know shed a tear for it come Saturday, but it might not be on Saturday. It might not. But if it's not on Saturday, I don't doubt her ability to bounce back again. I, I really don't. She's bounced back enough times already. Five five two is the head to head in favour of Simona Halep actually between the two of them, and she's won the last four, and she's won them all in straight. How sets. many Eight David have in been in Grand Slams though? Because I consider that a very different kettle of fish for Sloane Stevens. 
Well, that's true. Only two of them, actually, um, and uh, one each they've won. So, uh, no, I, I, I take that point. And look, there's no question that Sloane Stevens is a... Actually, both of them can be pretty in-and-out players that, in as much as they can have the odd tournament, probably about half a dozen tournaments a year where they just don't play properly at all and, and throw in stinkers of performances. So... Yeah, I I think they are at the peak of their powers. I just hope, I just hope we could get them both at the peak of their powers in this final because it feels like we keep saying, "Oh, this looks like on paper the the ideal match: Muguruza against Sharapova, Muguruza against Halep." There've been so many like this that just haven't ended up happening. I mean, obviously the the worst one of the lot was Sharapova Serena Williams, which didn't happen at all. So you know, I'm relying on you, Catherine. As somebody who's over there, I can't influence this, and you should be able to, you know, make it happen. I'll do my very best, David. I mean, to be fair, I I think actually Stevens and Keys exceeded some people's expectations. Uh, A lot of people I spoke to expecting it to be extremely one-sided. I know it was straight sets, and you know, there's a point at the start of that second set when uh, when Keys got broken in the first game of that second set, and she thwacked the ball away in frustration and really showed just how annoyed she was at herself not to be able to thwart Stone, Sloane Stevens more. You kind of thought, oh, no. But then she kind of rallied a bit and, and you know, at 5-2 down, I think she was, she broke back and and made Stevens serve out for it again. I don't know. I, ju- I just think given what happened in New York and... And given the way I think that their games are a little bit of a mismatch, especially, of course, with Stevens in this form, I think it could have been even more one-sided than it was. So, yeah, I mean, of course, it was was the Hallett-Mugaritha match that largely disappointed, but, as you say, for that half-hour period. But, yeah, Saturday is going to be very interesting. I'm so interested to see and hear how the fickle French crowd, David, um respond to things because I mean first and foremost they want a match and they want an occasion don't they they want that more than they want any individual to do anything but I can't believe that they won't have built up some sort of sentimentality towards Simona Halep how they feel towards you know Chrissy Everett in her commentary uh, on Eurosport today openly said you know the French just hate Americans (laughs) they cannot they cannot find it in themselves to to support Americans. So, you know, wow. and Sloane Stevens is a very American American, isn't she? I mean, yeah, well, yeah. she she's not she Serena Williams that's, you know, speaking French in her on-court interviews or anything, you know, she's she's just an American gal. It was um, quite interesting to to watch her post-match on-court interview uh, Sloane Stevens. Um, To use the words of Simon Briggs again, our our colleague from The Telegraph, on Twitter, he said, she's so languid, she barely seems to be doing anything, but it's almost impossible to hit through her. Zen tennis, he described her performance as. But he also said, she looked totally amabothered in her on-court interview with Marion Bartoli, giving the impression she would rather be flossing her teeth than talking about having reached the French Open final. He said that she said a tepid... Paris, Paris, je t'aime, but generally looked as if she would rather be scrolling through Snapchat. I mean, I, I mean they're good lines, and but I have to say, when I was when I was watching her moment of victory, it did I mean now 
it, that may well be because she was playing against a friend and she didn't want to sort of celebrate ecstatically in front of her friend, etc., and rub it in. Um, but yeah, I think for a crowd, it's perhaps a little bit difficult to to buy in when somebody looks as if, yeah, great, I'm in the final. See you, see you in a couple of days then. Yeah, I, I think she, I think she does have a bit of a PR problem, David. I think she potentially is aware of that and doesn't really care. I think there's a part of her that thinks, you know, I don't mind how people perceive me. I think she was burned by, you know, the whole Serena Williams aggro early on in her career, and now just thinks I need to zone out whatever the media think of me and do my thing and. You know, hey, she's a she's a two time Grand Slam finalist, one time slap champion. You know, potentially two to come. Who can argue with that? But I do believe she has a PR problem. I interviewed her after her quarterfinal victory over Daria Kazakina, and I came away wondering, as did my producer, whether it was even broadcastable. David, I mean, it was so so very much done on autopilot. You know, there there were no words there with any authenticity at all. I know. I know there's a real person there, um, but she does... Oh, yeah, does she's so capable absolutely, of giving good interviews. But she doesn't give it away anymore. She doesn't. She's, she, you know, and, and I had a chat with Chris Clary uh, before her press conference and, uh, you know, shared shared my sort of... I, I said to him, you know, I was concerned about, <laughs> was concerned about what I would get in the interview, whether we'd get the real Sloane, because, you know, a few times previously and on the base of what I'd seen recently, we probably wouldn't. And he agreed that we probably wouldn't, but but also shared, you know, glimpses he had seen of the real Sloane Stevens and and shared a bit of the backstory to the fact that she has uh, created this facade for the media and, and agreed that the, the, the Serena Williams aggro earlier on in her career, the comparison and and her sort of trying to distance herself with the comparison to Serena and, and, and what that led to, you know, causing problems for her basically he said she got burned with the media earlier on and now she's she's put up this facade and doesn't necessarily do her any favors but it's it's a coping mechanism she's come up with and and hey I can't help I can't argue with how it's helping her cope with her her on-court stuff because the the results speak for ourselves but there is for themselves but there is just one one thing that that I would potentially mention, and that's that we, for our Eurosport coverage, we, for the big matches, we tend to uh, our cameraman tends to go out and film, film the the main players uh, in practice either earlier in the day before their match or on their off days, and so we filmed Sloane Stevens in practice a lot over the last uh, two weeks, and uh, what she does at the end of every practice, David, is uh, she walks off court without her tennis bag. And she leaves it for her team to 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 pick up and bring off court after her. And um, I find that a little bit unpalatable, I have to say. Maybe they've got some kind of uh, agreement. I don't know, but it's a tough sight to see her sort of saunter off with her with her phone in hand, you know, p- potentially buried in Snapchat, as speculated by by Simon Briggs you know she just without a word leaves the bag on the chair doesn't say a word and just walks off without it and uh yeah I find that tough manners cost nothing you know and I I I completely agree with Chris Clary I can tell that there is a really interesting engaging human being in there that she doesn't want us to see for whatever reasons probably very valid reasons but 
um i do find the that that's tough the the bag thing the, the bag thing that maybe it's a completely isolated uh um pattern of behavior but it, yeah. it's tough. well look we we saw it after after um the u.s open final obviously she just won the u.s open but we saw, i mean she was so much fun after that and she was so likable on court and um yeah and then, but then I she mean, comes to the australian open and says you know how terrible it was that she had to do three hours <laughs> of press after that it's a bit too too cool for school isn't it I, yeah I she was it's, like it's, oh it's god yeah i loved winning the u.s open at the time but then i found out i had to do like three hours of press afterwards and that was dreadful i mean <laughs> that is privileged to a degree that most people would find unpalatable Mm. you know that's and, oh. and yeah i reiterate all my things about the fact that i i do believe that a, a large degree of that is facade but yeah. it's nonetheless unpalatable facade i think it hurts her in terms of her pr good for her on the court that she's because re- i mean I, I think when she lost the eight matches in her after the us open obviously she was a little injured as well but that was a shame this is good to see that oh, she's come I, I mean and what a big match player we're looking at here I, somebody who's I, just come I out cannot, and delivered i cannot get enough of watching her play tennis david i mean all the things that that uh that's that simon i think he exp- it expressed himself about her her movement and and the way she she glides across the tennis court. I think he expressed that brilliantly. You know, like a a Rolls Royce. Um, yes. Yeah, she's an absolute treat to watch. I can't get enough of it. She's brilliant for tennis. If she can find a way to manage the media in a way that allows her to be herself, then she is nothing but good news. I just at the moment no, think she's right. she's striking at, at not quite the right balance, basically. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. 
Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. The men's draw. Rafael Nadal got the job done in the end, Catherine. In fact, actually, he came out with the, the sun shining. His whole attitude seemed differently different. He seemed energised. He seemed no longer worried. He admitted after the match... I was stressed, you know. Uh, they said, "Well, how? Why were you stressed?" He says, "Well, because I'm a human being, and and I, I like that about Nadal. That's there is a guy who's done everything in the game, but you know he still feels those those emotions. But he came out today. You could see it in the in the the corridors as he was coming onto the court. He was like a coiled spring, you know, he's jumping up and down. I was fearing for him banging his head again on the ceiling. He was getting so excited, and then once he was out there." I mean, he was just ripping into the ball with such violence. that There's nothing like it in the sport. I mean, I think Del Potro has that thudding sound when he hits the ball that, that kind of goes right through you, shakes you to your bones, uh, almost like Tyrannosaurus Rex has just planted a footprint right next to you. But Nadal has something else. He has an intensity that is similarly breathtaking in its own way. And uh, and he would not be denied. And, and, and it wasn't like Diego Schwartzman didn't play quite well. I thought he did. But he lost the next, well, two and a half sets handily. Yeah, yeah, 6-2, six, 6-2. Two, six, two. And, and uh, yeah, he didn't win another point in the second set after they came out with, with Rafa at 5-3, 30-15. Um, yeah, I think he's been nervous for all his matches so far, this French Open. Like, really nervous, David. He's made a couple of shaky starts. Um, and, uh, yeah, he made a shaky start, start against uh, Martyr, didn't he, in in the last round. And, you know, shaky for, for a lot of the match against Bellelli, particularly in the early stages. That was another one that went over two days. And at the start of both the days, he he definitely was nervous. And... You know, why wouldn't he be? As we discussed yesterday, he has everything to lose and barely anything to gain, which I know sounds silly. He's got a f- 11th French Open title to, to gain, but everyone's pretty much put that in his hands already. He can only lose it. He can only lose it. If he's winning easily, people would just say, oh, it's just too easy for Nadal, isn't it? Yeah. And if he's not, we're, if he loses one set, we're all up in arms about it. Yeah, and I and yeah, so I, uh, exactly. He he's very anxious. I think um, I think it'll actually serve him well to face some really, really, with all due respect to to Schwartzman. I don't mean high level in 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 terms of. I think high level in terms of expectation with with Del Potro competition. I think everyone is expecting to some degree Del Potro to give Rafa a match. To what degree? Um, remains to be seen, but in in a way that people weren't saying before the match. I think people really expect uh, Delpo to challenge Nadal. Um, yes. I think conditions are so significant. I mean, you know, the tale of the two days, David, tells us so much. Again, like we said yesterday, I believe the sort of almost the 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 the, the, the second guessing of, and the the mental interpretation. 
um, of the conditions is as big a thing uh, as the conditions themselves. The the fact that the, the, the hot pingy weather gives Nadal a confidence boost and the fact that the reverse would gave Schwarzman a confidence boost or any opponent of Nadal for that matter, that's as big a thing as the conditions themselves. But... Look, we saw it today, David. I mean, it was a, it was a completely different match with the weather as it was today. Completely different, um, and uh, yeah, Michael Chang picked it exactly right when I spoke to him a few days ago. The weather is the best chance anybody has of beating Rafael <laughs> yeah. Nadal. So water that court, water uh, that Juan court Martin. slash hire a hitman. Although. I still think it's interesting, that match. I mean, the, the head-to-head between them is 9-5 in favour of Nadal. But the last two matches they've played, Del Potro won 7-6 in the third at the Olympics in Rio. And then last year, they played the US Open semifinals. And really, Del Potro, he just ran out of gas, didn't he? And that's, again, I don't want to, I hate it when it seems like we're taking a lot away from Nadal. I don't think, I don't think that's what we're doing here. But Del Potro won the first set 6-4, and then he lost the next three, 6-love, six 6-3, six six 6-2. Nadal played well, but Del Potro was, just wasn't the same player for the rest of it. That is not the case this time. Yes, he played a fairly lengthy four-set match against Marin Cilic, but I think there's plenty left in the tank for Del Potro this time. That can't be used as an excuse. He He's... They're on a sort of charmed life because, again, he was in tears today thinking back two, three years ago how he he wondered whether he'd ever play the sport again. Here he is in the semi-final of the French Open. He's up against the best player of all time on clay and he's got a chance to to dethrone dethrone him. So I think he's going to come out swinging and it could be spectacular. Yeah, I agree. It could absolutely be spectacular, David. Yeah, you mentioned the, the the tears of Del Potro. We sort of come to expect them now, don't we? But uh, yeah, some of his quotes coming out of his press conference afterwards, after that four set victory over, over Chilich today, were amazing. Were amazing. I mean, some of it is a little bit of the, the sort of, the, the gentle humour of things being a, just a fraction lost in translation. He said, uh, he said, oh, I'm really, I'm really pleased I made the decision to play this tournament. <laughs> Which yeah, is, that, well, it was really in doubt. It really yeah, was. A it really, really was. But it sounds, it sounds so facile, doesn't it? With <laughs> the bloke in the semi-finals saying, "Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I played." That worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, better showing up than not. You know, on paper, it just looks uh, pretty funny. And he said he talked about how he he struggled to sleep last night. About how he he was lying there anxiously thinking about whether to hit his serve out wide or down the tee. I love the thought of the languid, laid back Juan Martín del Potro lying in bed, um, grinding his teeth, uh, thinking about whether to, whether to hit his serve out wide or not. I mean, I've been thinking like that for the last four years uh, ahead of yeah. our rematch. Well, it worked out for Delpe today, didn't it? I mean, I, I personally am interpreting his, his tears. I can't believe this is something I failed to mention on the tennis podcast until now. But um, Juan Martín del Potro, until recently, had, and I don't say this lightly, the world's best tennis dog. He had a Newfoundland called Caesar. And uh, if you've ever visited... Del Potro's Instagram, you will be familiar with the absolute beauty 
that was Caesar. And unfortunately, I use the past tense because he passed away just before uh, Indian Wells this year. And he wrote a tribute to Caesar um, on the camera in his moment of victory. And I found it all very, very emotional. So obviously, I'm interpreting all of the Del Potro tears this fortnight as somehow being uh, in tribute to lovely Caesar. Okay. I well, mean, I've got some d- bad I, news I, for one Martin Del Potro. What's that? It's going to be 27 degrees and sunny tomorrow. <laughs> oh, dear. And then 28 degrees and, and sunny and on And his Saturday. dog is still on, dead. Yeah, sorry about that. I'm not trying to equate the two. Uh, but uh, on Sunday, it's going to be thundery and 34% chance of rain in the afternoon. Honestly, so it's, like, it's like being in the tropics in Paris this fortnight is the most bizarre weather. I don't know what's going on. It's a bit like that in Solid Hall as well. It's very weird. Oh, we're all we're all a bit stressed. It's, it gets like this in Croatia. Whenever I'm in Croatia, it's hot and humid, and everybody's just going a bit bonkers. Um, but anyway, just quickly, we also have uh, tomorrow Dominic team against uh, Marco Cecchinato. Uh They've played twice before, won one apiece, but they haven't played each other for four years. I think team is going to have too much for him, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it's either. I think it could either be a route. Um, or it could be a sort of absolutely glorious five-setter display of single-handed backhands. But I I suspect a moderately one-sided um, victory for team is, is the most likely scenario. He has been brilliant, David. We, he's all, yeah, yeah he, he's, he's surprised me in how brilliant he's been. He's been better than last no, year. Has. And he's come, in, come into this French Open on, on, on less form than last year. So good on him. Yeah. A couple of final things, uh, just to say that Pierre Ugabert and Nicolas Mahou have got to the final of the men's doubles. They'll play either Feliciano and Mark Lopez or uh, Oliver Marac and Matej Pavic in the final. That semi-final is still to be played. Uh, the semi-finals of the women's tournament are just uh, about to get underway tomorrow, I believe, uh, in the doubles. And also, just a quick word as well for another Chris Clary article. We're talking about the weather. Great in-depth uh, report on the roof plans uh, ahead over the next couple of years. They're hoping to get this roof sorted. And basically, they're just going to take the place apart from about half an hour after Sunday's men's singles final. Uh, and they're just going to start the building work. And eventually, it'll be sort of an umbrella feel, apparently, this uh, this roof. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see what that's like but it's it's necessary as as we've talked about so often before so Catherine, uh you've had your steak i believe uh is it cheese board time now uh it's it's post cheese board time it's cheese coma time david have you not noticed i've been in a cheese coma throughout the recording i did i did notice you seemed a bit yeah just a bit distracted for the last two minutes uh i have to (laughs) have to get it in early david because apparently cheese causes nightmares if, oh, does if it? eaten before oh. bed, yeah. I don't know if that's an old wives' tale. But you should have told me that about 35 years ago. <laughs> anyway, Catherine, we're to go. Go and get to bed. It's uh, semi-finals day in the men's tomorrow. We'll be back with the tennis podcast after one Martin Del Potro against Rafael Nadal and Dominic Team against Marco Cecchinato. Uh, we have been brought to you in association with The Telegraph and we are executive produced by Melanie Bowes, by Triple S, by Tennisballs.com. Our mascot is Charlie the Ferret, who hasn't been very well recently. So do send him your best wishes, uh, certainly your, your kindest thoughts to little Charlie. He's not been very well. Get well soon. Charlie the Ferret.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.